0: You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We, the, nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 279. We're discussing Black Widow. I'm one of your host Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Carlos. Oh, we're so close to getting all four of us at the table, but I do have the astute pleasure of being joined by the goddamn Batman and Troy. It's been a minute, dude, since we podcast together. It is great to be here to talk about the first MCU film since Far From Home. Over a year, I guess. Well over a year since we've talked about a brand new MCU film. Guys, welcome. I love you both. It's it's just, just a great moment for me coming <laughs> off like this this huge vacation. And I'm excited to podcast about Black Widow. How you boys doing? Good, man. No complaints. Yes, yes. Troy. Yeah, man. No, it's good. What's going on? It's- I heard I heard your, your two months in nerd. It, it's it's been yeah. it's been a crazy grind for you over the past couple of months, but hopefully it slowed a little bit here. You've had some time to to consume some film, some theatrical releases.
1: Yeah, man. No, it's been good to get back in the theaters, kind of get out there and get back on that hunting grind a little bit now too. And uh, yeah, man things things are kind of things are smartening up. Let's just say, let's just put it that way. So uh, can't complain, man. Yeah. Everything's good. Yeah. It's good to see you guys, though, man. It's like this is the crew. Yeah, all we need is Sunny. Yeah, we're, we're missing. That guy.
0: I had so many gifts prepared for once we confirmed all of us would be at the table about the boys being back and everything. And last minute, unfortunately, Sanjay just not having a a good time with the kids and all that a little bit of sickness whipping through the house. So we wish him all the best and wish he could be here. And I'm sure we will get his earful of thoughts in the not too distant future. When it comes down to not only this film, but how I'm going to admit how I consumed it, which is probably really going to fire him up at some point <laughs> down the road here. But guys, like we've been doing with our reviews and you know, you've heard him host two of the last three shows, the goddamn Batman. It's going to take the reins here and walk us through this MCU release, allowing me to sit back and be the true fanboy at the microphone, just bringing the love and joy that I always do in these MCUs. And it's going to temper that maybe hopefully a little bit here. But, Carlos, I hand you not only the hosting reins, but the producer reins. If you want the editing reins, you can have them too. But here it is, man. The show is now yours.
2: Yeah, I'll take 2 out of 3, man. 2 out of 3 ain't bad. Uh that that edit, I think that's still a little bit outside the the grasp of the Falcon. You know, I can I can only do so many sit-ups, run so far, do so many flips. But at the end of the day, I just don't got that Super Soldier serum. So the the, the edit is all yours, brother, but yeah. It's uh it's good to have you back. Good to have you doing the proper opening and uh things feel right in the world again.
0: Yeah. Yes, and it is, guys. It is still the house that Batman built. I noticed that you've been swipping and swapping around that opening intro to give your man a little bit of uh, a little bump there, and I'm I'm okay with that. But <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, you gotta gotta
2: kind of just tweak things. Let the listeners know that they're in for a wild ride when uh, when the goddamn Batman takes the reins. And hey, man, there's almost 300 episodes of. Uh, everything Star Wars, Marvel and DC. So <laughs> the the 9, the 9 that I've stolen back for uh, Team DC. Yeah. Just just like Walter Hamada slowly building up, man, slowly <laughs> building
0: up. I got to say too, man, last week's show Desert Island Directors, that was, it was a banger. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great detour from the the normal formula here that we do put together when it comes to talking about all the news and that and then even going back to the episode that you guys did with Jay, again, another awesome fire episode that, that mixes it up. And that's the thing that I'm, I'm excited to talk here before I, again, hand it back to you about Black Widow two weeks after the release. It kind of sets us apart from the onslaught of podcast reviews that everyone's listened to and allows us to simmer and soak on some of this. And some of us have even seen it twice. So I'm excited to get into it, as you can tell by, by the pitch of my voice. Yeah, man. Well, speaking of
2: excitement, kind of... Troy, I know uh, Tim and I talked about it a little bit, but just it's been three weeks now, I guess. So, Mm -hmm. and I don't think we really heard where you were at because you were in the kind of apex of your busyness, but uh, you're here, present, looking swole, like (laughs) ready to go. So uh, yeah, but as far as being ready to go for Black Widow, where was your hype level at with heading into this film and kind of what was your headspace?
1: Oh, it's high, man. It's been high the whole time, you know, even from that first trailer that we got way back in, oh, well, it feels like it's been forever. Um, But I was really stoked for this film because, again, I was kind of making those comparisons that this could be the film where we get that um, Mission Impossible, James Bond, espionage, The Bourne kind of feel. Um, And I think who better to do it um, than Scarlett Johansson? You know, she's a leading lady. So I was really stoked for this film. That first trailer sold me. You know, we're getting the, we're getting the Marvel games that uh, – the horrible Avengers, but even at the time, seemed like the gameplay of Black Widow was really cool. So I was in like that Black mm-hmm. Widow kind of vibe and zone. And, you know, we're coming off of Far From Home. Uh, we got the TV series going. I'm like, I'm there. I'm invested. So my excitement level was pretty high. Probably higher than most Marvel films. And that, that says a lot because I love this property, obviously, right?
0: hmm
2: Yeah. Yeah, so Timbo, refresh our minds. Where, where was your headspace at, man, heading into this
0: one? Yeah, I think going back a couple episodes when you and I talked in the prelude space with Black Widow, it was it was somewhat tempered, and it, it almost felt like it had that excitement had passed. And I had I'm looking forward to other things, the shows that you said, Troy, have been hitting, and Loki. We're in the midst of the last two episodes of walking into that, which was crazy. And guys, we're gonna talk about that with the vigilante 9039 boys here this week, but. It, it felt like I, I was almost over it. Not that I didn't want to see the property. I wasn't excited, but I felt like it was already behind us. And to be honest with you, that tempered expectation, it led to a fantastic viewing experience for me. And of course, we're going to get into it, but not walking into this with sky high expectations and the, the Disney Plus kind of took some of the, the edge off of the need to get into the MCU because we've been fed that almost consistently for the last six months. And so it, it was interesting walking in probably the, the most tempered I've been for an MCU film since probably, oh, I don't know it, before captain America, the first Avenger crazy. Wow. Yeah, crazy. And you know what? I'm kind of
2: right there with you. We had so much of a buildup in the way of marketing and then things got derailed with the theatrical releases and uh, black widow wasn't super high on my um, hype scale but just cuz like i enjoyed what we had seen of her and the franchise itself kind of felt like it had moved past uh, that story and then you're seeing kind of those new dynamic pieces with sam wilson becoming captain america and what they're percolating in loki in a big way so yeah i was i was a little tempered with it but, like i liked what i had seen and i was mm-hmm. excited to like we had talked about the potential passing of a torch uh that the trailers hinted that we might be getting in this movie but uh Uh, Same thing, like slightly tempered expectations, but when that Friday rolled around and it was time to watch the movie, I was excited to Mm. see a brand new Marvel movie. And, you know, you're in for a treat because, you know, they're either excellent or a decent time. Mm -hmm. There's never never a terrible Marvel movie. So, uh, yeah, it was was one of those. Like by the time Friday rolled around, I was excited. I was looking forward for the work day to be done and to – Head right into this film, which I did via premium access on Disney Plus, and like, what a joy! We ended up having to close all our windows because there was a not black widows, but magpies <laughs> descending on my home, so uh, we had to shut them out. But man, once we darked out and the family sitting around on the on the couch, it was perfect. Like I I didn't miss anything. Like we were. Had the sound up, phones in the kitchen, and off we went, whisked away into Natasha's odyssey. But
1: uh, Troy, how did you yeah, end man. up watching this one, man? Well, I was late to the game because um, I want to rush out and see it the opening weekend. Um, I've seen every MCU film on the big screen, so I wanted to keep that going. So I had to see it on the big screen first. And when I finally got the chance to, man, it was like 10, I think the last show time was like 10.50 at cool. night. And I was like, whatever. I'm gonna do it. I, I you know I, I put my foot on the on the gas and booked it over there, made it just in time and I had no idea what ticket I bought. So when I got to the theater, I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm back in the theater. I'm coming off a of scene Boss baby <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so the, the movie starts off and um, it was weird because I guess the screening or the movie that I, I purchased, it was like a 4D or some kind of weird experience. So when I'm looking at the screen, it's cool but then on the side the side walls were also had projectors so the side was also a screen too what? and it oh, was really? the most bizarre thing i've ever seen and it wasn't like that the whole time it's only like through certain parts of the film so like the opener when she's like a child when she's younger you see like the park the park's like surrounding you and it's really weird it kind of took me out of the film because i'm like i don't know where i should be like i should be looking for it, obviously <laughs> but there's still some things on the side that i might be wanting to look at right so, it was a really weird experience, and then it kind of went away, and then it came back. So, that kind of took me out of the film. Nothing to do with the film. It was just the theater experience, which is weird, because that's what I wanted to go for, right? Um, but then, after I did get another chance to see it, I did the Disney Plus thing at home with the kid, Well, not the kids, but the family, with the wife. And uh, got another chance to just dabble in that universe, and you know what? It made me enjoy it even more. Not because of, like, the experience, but just seeing the movie twice really made me appreciate the film so much more than the first time yeah
2: excellent timbo (laughs) i think you got the best story of the three of us for how you got to watch this thing
0: yeah so you know i've been in and out of the podcast for the last three weeks and it's because I've, i've been on this humongous road trip with my family we took three weeks to go all the way out east, drive across Canada. And it's, it's a hell of a drive. It's about 4,000 miles, 6,000 kilometers or so. So 10 plus days of driving. And then when I got to my parents, my parents live in a rural part of Ontario. They don't have internet. Well, they have internet, but it's expensive and it's slow. So I don't have the ability to watch anything. So I was rushing into my sister's to download episodes of Loki because she's got high-speed internet. And Black Widow comes out partway through our trip there. And I'm trying to figure out what I have to do to watch black widow. And it turns out that one, you can't download Disney plus shows onto your laptop. You can only do it onto a tablet or a phone. And two, again, because I don't have a laptop to download it on, I can't plumb it into a TV. So what did end up happening? We purchased it on Disney plus on my mom's iPad <laughs> and download it onto the iPad. And then my wife and I in the RV got cozy after the kids were in bed and we had a dual headphone plug thing a splitter <laughs> both popped on the headphones and watched <laughs> Black Widow on a normal sized iPad in our RV. And that's amazing. And that's commitment folks. That's why we waited 2 weeks <laughs> to do our Black Widow review. Well be- because how do you deny this man? He will not be denied. Well and because I was in Ontario the theaters aren't open. So I didn't have that option. I think they're open now, but it was they weren't open when I was there. I tried to find a drive-in to go see it. I phoned the drive-in guy. I'm like, okay, so is Black Widow? When is it coming on? Like, what are screening times looking like? About a week out. And he says, oh, when's that movie come out? I'm thinking, like, dude, this is the biggest movie of the last year and a half, and you don't have any idea if you're going to be showing it. The opening. He's like, when is it open in Canada? I'm thinking, bro, like, are you serious? <laughs> He's like you run this place <laughs> and and so that that whole thing got set aside and it, yeah, it came down to the the iPad which like you said, I wasn't missing this. I wasn't waiting. I wasn't gonna get spoiled. it was an, it was kind of a cool experience to be honest with you it wasn't the best film watching experience but at the same time I got to see it opening night. We watched it on the Friday night there and the thing that I didn't actually know until Carlos told me actually the week before, was that when you purchase on Disney Plus, you get it forever. So mm. uh, up until no I guess it, it drops onto Disney Plus for free. So cool. So yeah, you can just keep re-watching it. I thought it was like a one-time buy and then it disappeared after 24 hours, like your Amazon or your Apple rentals. No, like this thing is now I, I've watched it twice and I finally did watch it on a big screen TV also. <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah, it was it was kind of one of those things that you do what you gotta do to, to get the content in and the the epiphany I had while this was happening. And while I was driving across Canada, like in Northern parts of, of a lot of our provinces, like they don't have access to high speed internet everywhere. And you go even further North and even like, you don't have comic book shops and all this stuff. And so the ability for digital access is huge for a huge chunk of what could be potential watchers, listeners, whatever, because You just don't have that access. Like no one's driving five hours to see Black Widow at the closest Cinemax, right? And so having this ability to watch this stuff day and day, get your comic books, your movies, whatever, it's kind of cool. And it's kind of something I didn't appreciate until I was trying to rapidly figure out how I was going to watch Black Widow on opening night at my parents' place. That's amazing. And it also feels like a missed opportunity
2: because what you should have been doing is had a projector with yes. you and a tarp to put on the side of the nerd RV that is true. and then drive around to different communities within Northern Ontario <laughs> Just show and promote the show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the nerd room presents Black Widow one night only. <laughs> that, that's right, man. That's right. Just imagine how
2: lucrative we would have had that listenership in Northern Ontario locked up yeah, if we don't already. And then
0: blacklisted by Disney.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is true this is true so every, everybody seems like they're pretty positive on the movie but uh, Timbo give me like your kind of one sentence high level thoughts as to your overall experience just you know like I like to do let that pressure, pressure mm-hmm. release just a little bit before uh, we walk through the movie here
0: Yeah, I guess my one sentence exceeded expectations Yelena, Red Guardian give me more excellent Troy,
1: how about yes, you, sir. man? Um, A little lower than my expectations. Really enjoyed the film. Two big weaknesses for me in this one, though. Two big weaknesses, and we'll get into it.
2: All right. Yeah. For me, it's... uh, You know what it's going to be? It's going to be best one in a while, and more to my style. Like cool. It. I like it. Cool. So, Look at That's... you, rhyming <laughs> yes, right here. Cool. I was gonna cool. say, spitting them rhymes. Uh, uh, the goddamn rapper. The, the goddamn rap man. Hey man, I, I, if I'm gonna embrace that Anthony Mackie life, I gotta be able to to spit just like an Eight Mile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you said that. Oh man. <laughs> That's oh.
2: Awesome. So. Before we get into our full review, it sounds like all of us dipped into Disney Plus with Troy being the one guy who headed into the theaters, and you know what, you might have, with what that probably cost you for a ticket to this premium experience, you might have paid for me to have been right there with you. But, uh, (laughs) doubt. Yeah, so Timbo and I, Disney Premier Access, so the 30 bucks or whatever it was, and we have it forever and yeah we watched it the Friday night and then I sat and watched it like Sunday morning I was up way before everybody else and got a second viewing in and I have it forever type of thing and you guys too but uh there's been a bit of uh hand wringing with the Disney premium access release because Black Widow had a I think it's the record drop for an um, MCU
0: movie just just shy of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp it was a little bigger
2: Oh, so it was a little bigger than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Sorry. so Yeah, sorry,
0: sorry. It's the second biggest drop ever. Ant-Man and the Wasp is the biggest drop.
2: Oh, okay. It's the biggest. Okay. And I think it was like 67%, right, is what yeah, the drop-off
0: was? Yes. Yeah, so maybe 62, something something in that range. Yeah,
2: 62, 67. And so like a little of, little of that's going to be attributed to uh, my man LeBron James there. Mm-hmm. But uh, the theater owners, like the North American Theater Association – did some pretty heavy finger pointing towards Disney um, blaming their release of black widow on Disney plus is costing them potential revenues on both sides of the house kind of saying like, Oh, look at all the money you could have made and look at all the money you cost us. And then also pointing to the piracy aspect Mm -hmm. that this kind of release fuels because obviously within moments of a film being available on your system, uh, people will have the, ability to illegally upload and illegally download high quality versions of the movie. So what are you guys thoughts with that, both with what your experience was with Premier Access and with what the fallout of that is, if you want to call it that?
0: I, I don't know that I can blame them too much. No. And it's funny that this finger pointing has happened and it's why it's a bit interesting because we've talked about this a lot about the viewing experience and the transition to digital. And this is a consequence that I didn't really appreciate until I read the article on the second week drop and also the piracy. And mm-hmm. the article I was reading suggested that piracy is, is some of the, it, it, it's not, at times it outweighs what people are watching, whether it's on Apple or Disney plus Plus now that, more people are watching it there. Than they are actually buying it, and the second week drop because you don't have the return. And even the example here, Troy, you went and watched it on Disney Plus instead of returning to the theater because you can watch it with your family and all that. And and so that was an interesting consequence that I, like I said, I didn't appreciate walking in. And you know they pulled in sixty million dollars on Disney Plus the first time that any company has released weekend of release stats on a mm-hmm. film drop, and then the eighty million it did at the box office. So it did really well on Disney plus, but you don't get that repeat because everything is funneled into the pocket of Disney, right? Directly. You don't get most of us usually end up back in the theaters with a different set of friends or family. You know, usually we'll do a viewing together. So you don't have that repeat, which is getting you your, you know, in some cases, 30 to 40% drops. Like you look at things like Endgame and all these, yeah, much bigger films, but they had substantial second weekends. And usually that's what we see. And does this open up your film release windows if Disney continues to do this? Because you don't have to be afraid of butting up against an MCU film that usually would dominate for two to three weeks inside of the summer months. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it's another experiment. You know, this has been a year of experiments. And this is the biggest one to date with one of the biggest, if not arguably the biggest film of the year outside of Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of see it as an experiment as well. I mean, like um, when I think back to The Mandalorian, right? Remember we got it here first and our friends overseas couldn't get it, mm-hmm. right? But at least when it comes to something like The Mandalorian, I mean, well, people are obviously prioring it. So you open up the, those floodgates, but at least at the same time, too, if people wanted to that could get it they could was it you pay 8 bucks 10 bucks for your membership for Disney Plus mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so big deal but when Disney's now asking you 30 bucks on top of your 8 bucks 10 bucks so you're for this this privilege to buy it basically you're paying for a privilege to buy it um it's a little more steep so obviously you're going to turn the other uh, audience to like well I'm just going to bootleg it because like you mentioned Carlos when this happens it opens up the floodgates for these bootleggers to upload these things immediately online so you're going to get a huge fan base or a crowd uh, basically going that option of streaming it for free on whatever websites they use. So it is kind of an interesting, interesting thing to see how that's going to play out and how they're going to kind of fight against that in the future. I don't want really know how they're going to do that. I mean, obviously one of the thing is like what Tim kind of mentioned is like the laptop. You can't download these things on your laptop. And I think that's due to the fact that when you have a laptop, there's so many things you can do. So maybe that's record. why they keep it on the, yeah. F- yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see and keep an eye on it in the future of how this kind of works and goes whether they're going to do like maybe a Disney plus, maybe a week or two after the theatrical. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't really know what they're going to do. Yeah. Is, do you, so
0: do you think that there's more people pirating it than normally would, or is it the same crowd of people that would have done it anyways? Or is it because the quality is now different? You're not getting canned versions with, yeah. with uh, the audio dubbed over with the better audio and you're, you're getting everything just cream, clean, crisp and all that right away.
2: Yeah, I don't know about domestically, but I know like internationally, uh, I was reading an article and they were talking about like the hours. It was a matter of hours (laughs) in the Chinese market in which there was high quality versions with either subtitles or with like people doing just dubbing them uh, in different Chinese languages all over china within within hours so it'll be interesting to see and then the chinese government delayed the release of this movie too so i don't think it'll make any money in that market at this point in time which is the world's biggest film Mm -hmm. market because piracy was always an issue over there and so now it's kind of day and date you have them and if people are seeing it right away yeah it's a it's a tough one like you Think that these studios, with their money and resources, would really go after some of these pirate sites?
0: Well, they they come after our t-shirt sites, you know. Yeah, like we we have like we're not making money off of T Public, and these are just basically homages to some of their properties. Like we've had like three shirts bought, and WB's out here hitting us with copyright infringement emails. And they got these whole sites. Like I can, you type it in, you can find the site. I can find a site in two minutes.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. Like you, you think they they do something to yeah. try and take these sites down, or like who knows? I realize some of them are hosted in foreign mm-hmm. places, but I don't know. Maybe uh, you get the wheels of justice turning in those places to get those sites taken down, or yeah. g- grease some bombs even well, to get I, I, them taken down. I can tell down. you from.
0: From a, f- a friend's experience in a past life, that any time those sites go down, they pop up in a different country right. with a different dot, whatever. So they'll and yeah. so they get ripped down in in Holland or whatever, and they will pop back up in Finland, and then it gets ripped down there, and they pop back up somewhere. And like it's it's just you're just buying basically and funneling it through different things, and so that is a problem, right? You can rip stuff down, but it stays down for a day.
2: Who knows, man? Yeah. Maybe Metallica was right all those years ago. <laughs> well,
1: it's crazy for me because I know, I mean, it's a different industry, but I know when it comes to like video games and emulation and ROMs and all that kind of stuff, like PlayStation, you know, Sega, Xbox, all these um, brands have been getting bootlegged for years through emulation but i know nintendo as of recent has been like a force to reckon with like these guys do not play when it comes to their games and even like fan-made projects nintendo's right there taking it down so i do know it's a little different obviously because it's downloading as opposed to like streaming but i just i wonder how like these guys could be so on it and then other studios just aren't Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i'm not expecting the whole industry as a whole but if you're to compare like a nintendo to a disney you would think that Disney would be making some kind of movement to be like, no, we're taking this off. Like, no Star Wars, no Marvel, whatever the case is. So, yeah, it's just kind of funny how it works that way. I would do the FBI thing and just hire
2: hackers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're there. Like, <laughs> yeah, <just laughs> is- en- enlist them for good. Yeah, Go exactly. Hire the guy and have him have them work for the side of the angels, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of double agents and good guys versus bad guys. What did you guys think of this opening for Black Widow? Pretty non-conventional opening. We haven't seen something like this since the Hulk, mm-hmm. where we get a bit of a soft open, and then we have your history lesson through your opening credits. Um, you know what? I'll kick us off. I absolutely adored this. I thought, uh, Kate Shortland, I really felt like this was the piece from here, kind of to when Natasha's on the ferry. Mm-hmm. Um was where you really saw the fingerprints of her as a filmmaker and it really felt like something unique um, to the director. But I I absolutely loved it. I thought they nailed the family dynamic and had you caring about these people right away. I thought th- th- like, just with how well acted that first scene was where you saw how caring this mother was to her daughters, then the dad comes home from work like so many other dads of the 80s with like the... The terrible, like used car salesman shirt and (laughs) the hair kinda pressed. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, he's trying to be a good dad, but something's weighing on him. They start having this conversation and you're like, shoot, something's up. And you don't know if they're good guys, if they're bad guys, or what's going on. And then the family's gotta flee, right? And they leave the photo album behind and they're on the run and the the Nirvana cover starts playing. Come on. Yeah, it's just as beautiful, very emotional scene of this family on the run and the kids don't know what's going on. And then, man, like it's pretty heartbreaking when you start doing the math as to what's happening to them after that. Mm-hmm. So after they land and after they're separated and you start to put two and two together as to what's going to happen to Natasha and Yelena and the insane level of trauma that's going to be like emotional trauma more than anything that's going to be imparted onto them. And th- I thought they did a fantastic job of telling you 15, 20 years worth of history for these characters through this opening credits montage. And obviously you have a few little pieces, tiny pieces really from the previous MCU films, but man, brilliant. Like best opening since the incredible Hulk, in my opinion. Yeah. So
0: it, it's, I agree with you that, the hardest thing they had to do in this movie was we had this character of Natasha who we've, we've been with since Iron Man 2. We know a lot about her, but you have to build a cast around her that one, is believable, and two, you're emotionally connected to. And they do it in two minutes, which mm-hmm. is wild that you can become that connected to David Harbert, to Rachel Weiss and to Florence Pugh. Like are they're th- those characters, right? And it, it's like immediately you buy into all of this because you you don't if you don't have this the reuniting later on has very little impact
2: yeah, right the whole movie falls apart
0: and so this is such an important scene for the whole movie setting the tone and and like you said just bang you're into it and yeah the cover the Nirvana cover whoa haunting second viewing there's certain scenes like when they're in the shipping container this underlying theme that you get about human trafficking and all this that's going on throughout the whole movie. This sets the tone. It gives you the emotional connection that you need, which it's, and this is something that Marvel excels at. It makes you care about the characters. And once you have that connection, the whole movie, the dynamic changes. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what I love about this. And it, it is, it is one hell of an opening, but it's, it plays such a significant role in the rest of the movie. And like you said, girls, without this, it, it does fall apart. It makes you have to buy and make leaps into relationships that you have really no buy-in to. Like when she sees Yelena for the first time, the reason you get that strong connection is because of this scene.
2: Yeah, you need that concrete foundation for this whole thing. Troy, what did you think yeah. of this opening, man? And the the filmmaking tactics, I guess, to
1: get you to Natasha in a Civil War reality. Well yeah, once I was done being distracted by like the, the <laughs> walls surrounding me. Um I I was in it though. I really loved it. The young actress that plays Natasha I thought was well well casted i i thought she was really good she knocked out the park in that role especially when she got to um show off her like kind of her killer instinct because you can tell she's already been trained somewhat so when she pulls the gun on the other soldiers it's like okay here we go um the airplane sequence was fantastic i love the subtlety of um red guardian just using his powers mm-hmm. to just throw away like the car the truck showing the audience like whoa there's something actually up with this guy he's not just a regular dude mm-hmm. um it was shot extremely well. I I loved the whole scene. The scene really worked for me. The Nirvana tr- choice was, you know what? It's It kind of, it worked for me, the song, but like the rhythm and like the vocals, it kind of felt like uh, Joss Whedon's, um, oh, just a little bit like oh. that. That like, you know, when the kind of uh, mourning over Superman, mm-hmm. there was a mm-hmm. bit of that kind of, I don't know what it was, but it kind of brought that up a little bit. But the second time it really worked for me just because of the message. And I love like the montage of like seeing like how horrible and the brainwashing that was going on in the Red Room of mm-hmm. how these girls were, you know, trained and ugh, it's, it's terrible, but it's really well done how they did it. And it felt like a little bit more of a darker MCU film. Which is something I've been really wanting to kind of get behind, and um, took it actually like a like a notch up more than even like Winter Soldier. So I thought it was an awesome way to open up the film, hundred percent.
2: Yeah, like it gave me emotional stakes right till the end. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it uh, it was the first time in a while where I really, really wanted a, a villain to get their comeuppance. Yeah, like yeah. Th- there's been lots of cool villains in the MCU, but it's like. Spider-Man: Far From Home. If Mysterio wins, I'm like, okay, well that's cool. Like, I I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, yeah. they did a good job <laughs> of it. Or, yeah. you know, like, Thanos wins again, sure. But <laughs> with this one, it was like that uh, Ray Winstone's character, like that guy, needed to go down in the worst way possible. Yeah. With uh, thank you, treating yeah. these poor poor girls <laughs> as just disposable type of thing. So, yeah, I thought they did a good job of that. And uh, you know, it's proof positive that some good filmmaking, like. We didn't need a Red Guardian solo movie or a Yelena solo movie or anything like that. Just gotta, you, you can build it. You just gotta take some care and attention with building it, and you can introduce a pile of characters that we've never met before and really care about mm-hmm. them by the end of it. But we do know one character going into this movie. So, what did you think of um, Natasha's journey kind of from that? You know, we take her right off the heels of Civil War and really like her um given the the widow sting to T'Challa chala because they talk about that uh in the movie so whatever happens with her from that moment uh right up to where we meet her in this movie so she's on the run like they did a great job reintroducing thunderbolt ross yeah. to the to mm-hmm. the movie in a yeah. more substantive way and giving him a bit more agency and um building them up for bigger, better things as the MCU goes on. And, uh, you know, we we find her in this mall, kind of on the run, and you think you're in for this big confrontation with Natasha versus S.H.I.E.L.D. or the U.S. Army, and then we end up with her on this ferry going off to to live that nomad lifestyle. So what do you think of this direction for her, for where we left her off in Civil War to where we meet her for the setup for this film? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this for me, this is like the best spot to put a Black Widow film. I know there's a bit of conjecture online about where this should have been set. Of course, yeah, if I could have had this a couple of years ago, great. But let's remember, if we had this a couple of years ago, you don't have David Harbour, you probably don't have Florence Pugh, you don't have this cast, you like, you don't have this director or story. So that I think having it now is probably the best. But setting it right after Civil War, the thing I like about that is that you can immediately forget about the rest of the MCU. You don't have to worry about, where's Cap? Where's Iron Man? Where's all these... Like, she's on the run. She's on the lam. No one's coming to help her. And then where does she turn? To, you know, her other family. Which, I thought that was a great way to make an isolated Natasha story without having to worry about the baggage of the MCU. Because that can weigh you down sometimes. Where you have to answer some of the questions. They do a bit of that. They contextualize things and talk about stuff. But it doesn't weigh the movie down. Like, I never once sat there thinking like, "Well, why doesn't the Avengers just come help her? What's going on with this?" And so that to me because the Avengers have been dispersed and you've had this, you know, epic movie in Civil War and the follow-up to it is is this. It's great. I love what they did and where they put this in the time and thought that they put into tying this story into Civil War and then eventually kind of a, a nice segue into Infinity War and Natasha seeing her in here, yeah, it is like you're coming right off civil war, boom, she's here. And she's such an engaging actress, Scott Johansson. Mm-hmm. And because we spent so much time with this character, like I'm enthralled immediately on the screen with what she's doing. Even it's it kind of has this banger of a start and then this slow build out through Natasha and where she's gonna go and you kinda of, oh, maybe she's gonna have a simpler life. But yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with Natasha and with the setting and time frame of this film. Perfect. So
2: we get reintroduced to Natasha, but Troy, what did you think of the uh, introduction and your first impressions of uh, Yelena as we meet her in the middle of a mission for part of the, uh, as one of the Red Room's widows, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah. Le- Yelena was, was great. You know, I was immediately um, fell in love with this character. You know what? I- I was a little late seeing this film, so uh, word of mouth, everybody's like, she steals the show, she's fantastic, and I was like, cool, cool, I don't know much about, uh, it's Florence Pugh, right, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about her, uh, her background in acting, but so when I saw her, um, right away, she had the chops, her humor was great, I mean, with Marvel, I I get it, they're always gonna have, like, your one or two comedic reliefs, so, some of the jokes didn't always land for me. Some parts I'm like, you, you really could have stopped right now. And and and, and it would worked perfectly. But for the most part, she was great. When she did the whole, why do you do the superhero yeah, pose? that's great. And, and she does it slowly and she's nodding her hair back. And I thought that was hilarious. And I was dying too because my wife and I were watching Loki at the same time. And we noticed like Tom Hiddleston, not Tom, yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, he's always flipping his hair back too, right? So it's just a funny thing that the MCU has. And for them to like make fun of that. Because they do that quite a bit actually in this film, they kind of make very fun aware. of them, the, yeah. themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very aware, right? So, but she was great. Um, my issue though, and I guess that's something we'll get into, is the agent that she comes across. How that agent frees her? That whole was it the nano? Yeah, just like Na- his, the nano mist yes, or whatever. The nano mist. That thing for me was like no, no. It was because abrupt in that moment. It was abrupt, and and we just came off that that uh, that montage of what at least Scarlett Johansson's generation of black widows have been going through of how they're bred to become these killer assassin spies. And then now there's this new thing that just like just brainwashes them. It's just it's like it's like a a a spell. And so the fact that this whole new thing now can just take that away as like, ah, like I get it. I see why. I know why they're doing it. Maybe if this was a series, they could have mm-hmm. gone more into it. But I, I don't I don't want it to be a series. I actually really like this movie for being a movie because that's another thing I've heard is people wanting this to be a Disney Plus show. I actually think this is great as a two-hour, mm-hmm. two-and-a-half-hour film. But mm-hmm. um, apart from that, though, the fight choreography, too, it had a little bit of that close-quarters combat like Bucky and, and Cap and Winter Soldier. When her and that agent go at it, she has that knife and she twists it and drags it out. I was like, whoa, this yeah. is vicious. Immediately. A young killer. I just, I thought, I thought she was great. How she can turn it on, but then she can also kind of be like a little bit of like oblivious to like how things really are because she still is like a youngin. She plays both sides very, very well and can hold her own clearly against Natasha when we see them uh, encounter each other for the first time in the in twenty plus years. So, yeah, I'm in it at this point. I'm still in it, loving the film for mm-hmm. sure.
2: Yeah, and you know the the action sequences were cool in this movie. There was a few that I thought kind of went on a little long, like I loved I thought the the first Yelena introduction scene was kind of perfectly um, it was a perfect length. Like it yeah. it was just enough showcase her skills, showcase how dangerous all the widows are and off we go. Um, that second one with her and Natasha though, I was just like, shoot, I I would have actually thrown out this whole thing and just had them arguing so that we can kind of explain or explore a bit more as to where they're at, why they're feeling the way they are. And then from there, right away, you go into another action sequence, right? So it kind of got a bit long with some of those, but with these action sequences, the thing that's dropped into the middle of them is the Taskmaster. So mm-hmm. this is the first time we're seeing this character in the MCU. He, she now is a pretty beloved character in Marvel. And uh yeah, Timbo, what did you think of where they took the Taskmaster and what they what they did with her for from the introduction into the move away from the traditional Taskmaster, like not even just gender but like the taskmaster historically has kind of had this um kind of snarky and mm-hmm. um superior type of personality to be in basically the t800 where it's this unstoppable killing machine type <laughs> of thing and and that plays into the plot trope with the nano machines or the the nano myths there so kind of take me through with what they decided to do with taskmaster and what you thought of it and also you know, we might as well spoilers, but deal with the reveal mm-hmm. while we're talking about it. What you thought about that reveal and if you saw it coming or not.
0: Yeah, it it seems that they use both the Nano Miss and Taskmaster as almost plot devices. Like the Nano Miss mm. is simply there so they don't have to give this huge drawn out how we fix Yelena. Right? It's like boom is done. She's she's a good guy now. And Taskmaster, to be honest, like it didn't Bother me like i don't i've not read a lot of taskmaster in the comic books and i love the concept and mimicry and all that it, that's really cool we get to see a bit of cap in there a bit of hawkeye and the, the mirror fighting was really cool and the introduction is is very haunting and very reminiscent of the winter soldier introduction in mm-hmm. the captain america the winter soldier where it's kind of this very imposing character they're, they're they kind of hit a lot of the same beats that you get with winter soldier but to be honest with you it, it doesn't it's it's kind of a nothing esque villain. Like there's not a huge substance to it, and it provides some nice action sequences. But at the end of the day, did you really need Taskmaster in this movie? It gives you some great scenes, but for me, it doesn't add a whole bunch. But it also doesn't take away a whole bunch. At the same time, I don't. I never found myself totally invested in the character Taskmaster. It just seemed to show up at opportune moments to provide a I guess a path to provide some heavier action sequences and a bit more adversarial and something that Natasha had to step up to that it would take both of them and something they were running away from. And so it gave you a little bit of the urgency behind the plot that you had the taskmaster following you, trying to get your MacGuffin. And once you get into the reveal, I was quite shocked that I think there was some rumors early on that it actually was a female I had pegged her as being Rachel Weiss's character to be honest. Mm. At, at the start that was kind of my initial reaction from the first trailers if I remember right that that there was going to transition to that her being revealed as the daughter. I think it that whole kind of concept and that underlying theme they have explaining Budapest and all this to me it makes Natasha's sacrifice an infinity or an endgame it, it brings even more weight to it because we've seen her have that, that closure that was brought up by Loki and Avengers. So it's a great thread all the way through as to, to why she felt that way, the blood in her ledger and all that. And so it was cool that she was able to have that reconciliation where she didn't kill this daughter that seemed to weigh very heavily on her as being that last act in her jumping over to S.H.I.E.L.D. So overall... I think it it does justice for the Black Widow or for Natasha and her inevitable decision to kill herself in Endgame or sacrifice herself, I guess is the better word. But for the movie, Taskmaster is just to me it's just another character. It gives someone for Red Guardian to fight later on, but like I said, it doesn't take away anything, but it doesn't add a whole bunch either for me.
2: Yeah, like you said, it's for the action sequences. For me, I think it was for the action figures. Yeah, but uh, but Troy, like, yeah, uh, I know you have some experience with the Taskmaster because yeah. there's no way that you didn't platinum that Spider-Man PS4 <laughs> man. So, oh, I
1: thought you were gonna bring up an Spencer's Taskmaster and and Black oh. Ant because I was like, man, don't do it, don't go there. <laughs> But <laughs> no, we, we need to keep this runtime
2: lean. And, yeah. uh, I, I know you got some angry points later on, so yeah. we can't bring up uh, he, he who shall not be named. But uh,
1: <laughs> w- what uh, what did you think of Taskmaster here, man? Well, like you said, you know, with the Spider-Man game, you mentioned it, I platinum that game, and some of the best battles was fighting Taskmaster because yes. he was challenging, he could mimic the moves. And when you think of Taskmaster, for me, you, you think of... Uh, a difficult fighter, a guy that mimics and can study your your fighting skills on the fly. And I really thought how cool of an opportunity to bring that on the live screen. And they showed it for a second when he or or her uh, fought Black Widow on the bridge. That was a really cool mirror image as they're both in that fighting pose mm-hmm. side by side or, you know, like a 2D um, kind of form. And it looked, it looked awesome. And that was really it. We didn't get any other kind of cool mimic skills I I felt like that was her most threatening time for me I don't care at all about like the gender swap the race swap that's cool but it's really really weird that like Marvel went out of the way to make the costume and like clearly they had it designed like that's a male in a suit I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a male stunt it is it is
0: a male stunt it is
1: right see so that that for me a scratch would have like why do they why they go so hard on like hiding the gender of this of this character like um I think Ant Man. When I think of Ant Man Two, Ghost. I think of the comics. Ghost is is a, is a male character. They swapped her as a as a female, and who cares? And is, is is right in front of you, and like, no one blinked an eye about it. It was just a really weird choice to be like, especially like in that world of the MCU where you have like this whole army of Black Widows, female led, uh, assassin spies, but then you're gonna have this other one hidden and like a, a male. <laughs> kind of yeah. like armored it's just it's just really weird to me like i'm not really i don't really care but it's at the same time it's like that's just a weird choice like what were you guys trying to go for um but for me it was another weird switch who was uh the character of taskmaster because yeah like he's a little more jokey he's not deadpool but he's he, he's talking yeah. some trash and like i'm like you have age of ultron and you'll take ultron and make him like a jokester and then you'll take a jokester like Taskmaster and make them like, not talk. Like, like people want to talk trash about the work with the Mouth in um, X-Men Origins, how you sealed his mouth shut. They did the same thing here in this film with Taskmaster, basically. <laughs> so, where's the hate? Where's the hate? But, no, um, all around for me, like, some of the fights were cool. I love, like, we got to see, like, the claw, like, the Black Panther mm-hmm. stuff going on. The shield stuff was awesome. Like, when they were, mm-hmm. like, running, uh, Natasha and her sister were running and they slid down the escalator. Oh, yeah. cool. And that shield, like... That shield felt like really deadly, really like more so than a, in John mm-hmm. Walker's hands, more so than anyone's hands. That shield was like, wow. Um, and the combat was like was kind of cool, like what she would do with the sword, um, like felt imposing. I didn't really care about her fight with with Red Guardian, mm-hmm. but every other fight scene was cool. And I loved uh the air combat. I'm a sucker for anybody fighting in the air, whether it's power rangers movie opening up in the skydiving <laughs> whether it's point break like anything in the air that's going on I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff so it was cool
0: it, it, you cool. bring you bring yeah. up an interesting point about the the gender swap and why why wasn't it just embraced like you, you yeah. could have easily set up if you wanted to do that reveal you could have just set up that natasha had some sort of rival in the red room and then yeah. ran with that as that's who she thinks it is and then have the reveal at the end, anyways and. And make cool. the make the the Taskmaster suit look female, smaller. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it didn't have to yeah. be a male. like it didn't have to look like a male. You could have just embraced yeah. it. Like this movie was about that, right? Like the, yeah. the true villain. Yeah, maybe it was Ray Winston, but your army is female Black Widows, and yeah. why not just have this yeah. as a superior version of one of exactly. those? Exactly. And then you you basically lead the audience on that it's someone else the whole time, and then you do the swap yeah. anyways. Like, it just like seemed this. a weird way to, like you said, to lean into the fact that, don't worry, it's the real task. Oh, no, it's not. And she's in, like, <laughs> no, <it's>, like <laughs> when her head's in
1: that suit, it looks really awkward and. Really weird. Really small. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Well, yeah, I think I kind of fall more on the same page as Troy. Uh, with, uh, For me, it, it's the exact same spot that I am with Cassandra Kane and Birds of Prey you can have that character doing those things the way you want it to fit the movie that you wrote and that you're doing. Why call her Taskmaster? Mm-hmm. Just You know, you you can have a super black widow who can mimic people's moves and maybe you name drop Taskmaster as being who you got this idea or who you reverse engineered his genes from to do this. Mm. But why waste the character of Taskmaster, be it a, male or female, that part I don't care about. But yeah. to have that kind of jokey foil that you can bring in, in in and out and to take a name brand villain and basically make it the Terminator. Like she yeah. is the Terminator from the first movie. Like <laughs> that is all she was kind of thing. And I don't know if her name was in the opening credits. I think it was. Or if I'd heard that Olga Kurolenko was in the movie. So kind of you get to that point where there's that first taskmaster confrontation, or maybe when you meet Alexi in the prison and Olga Korolenko hasn't shown up yet. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. she's the taskmaster. And then we learn what happened in Bucharest and with uh, the widow's defection and with the blowing up of the, the office there to try and assassinate um, Ray Winstone's character. And I really dug that. I loved that this was this ultimate gambit Mm -hmm. that uh, Natasha was taken to free herself of the red room and to defect to shield. But I also knew like that second, it's like, Oh, that's the taskmaster. (laughs) It's going to be that little girl who is going to become the T 800 and be chasing after these two um, through the rest of this movie. And, Yeah, like, I, the action sequences were fine, but at the same time, like, if there's anything that tore me out of this movie, it's like, she's not Steve Rogers with the super soldier serum, and she's (laughs) not Tony Stark with the tech suit, and she's not Thor, God from Asgard. This is Natasha Romanoff, who... As far as the MCU has told us, like, there's other stuff from the comics, but the MCU has been pretty clear that her and Clint Barton are regular human beings. And, like, man, she takes a kicking. like, I couldn't believe. Serious bumps. Like, yeah. yeah, like, you know, in Bucharest, like, in Budapest, when they're getting chased, and her and Yelena kind of jump off that first building and then come crash into the ground, I'm like, she felt like six stories. Yeah. And and to have her land on her feet, no less. I was like, man, at least let her fall in a garbage can. But nope, lands on her feet, and I'm like, girl, every single bone in your body would be Dude, broken right now.
0: All, all she breaks in this film is her nose once. And yeah, how many times does she purpose. roll a car? Like how many times does she roll a car? I I walked in on our RV trip. I walked into the side of the RV, one of the flaps up thing, and I couldn't I couldn't think for three minutes. You know, and like that that. I agree with you on that point that it was a little much. And I try to make these leaps in my head. Okay. Maybe the red room has dulled a lot of her pain sensors and all this stuff, but Holy crap. Like even and still, when you get one of those widows falling and breaking her leg and all that. Oh. And sort it's so, like, it, it, it is hard to believe like the roles in the cars too. Like the one with mm-hmm. the taskmaster and then the one into the subway station or whatever. Yes. like you would mm. be very dead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, totally. Well, and then they're like inconsistent because, like, the new batch of widows are supposed to be kind of stronger, faster, further than uh, Natasha and then Yelena's generation of widows. But yet she kind of runs through them at the and like, kind of jumping through, <laughs> jumping the lead a bit. But, uh, yeah the inconsistency as to what she could take and what she couldn't take and like there was a moment in my mind where i sat there and i tangibly said to myself i've forgiven pierce brosnan james bond and (laughs) ethan hunt more uh just just go with it just go with it let the lady have this kind of thing but you kind of just gotta
0: buy into that aspect of it because if you overthink that it's like yeah, and maybe could you have written where she escapes and rolls out of the car before it rolls and all this probably but yeah, you have to suspend a bit of belief there on that <laughs>
2: or or just don't don't do it. And then <laughs> you know like it, it, it's not a historical event that you have to capture so This is true. Maybe, maybe we just write <laughs> something else. But with superpowered people and people that can withstand a bit of punishment and a bit of beating we very soon after this have the reconciliation of Yelena and Natasha and we meet the Red Guardian and David Harbour. Man, you kind of meet one Red Guardian at the beginning of the movie and you meet a completely different Red Guardian in this gulag in Siberia. <laughs> but man, did I ever fall in love with this character? He was hilarious and he had this, this aloofness and he was boorish but at the same time totally charming and i, I don't know i re- i didn't expect to like red guardian i thought he'd just kind of be this muscly character that's in the movie to sell action figures and do all this kind of stuff but he's kind of what taskmaster should have been if you held on to that character mm. for a different movie because i love this guy but troy yeah, take man. it away man
1: red guardian and his escape from uh this Siberian prison oh man how do I how do I come off that one um I loved his scene when he's arm wrestling that was cool <laughs> um I like his escape I love this whole sequence actually too of Natasha going in off the helicopter um ladder and like saving him I thought that was all done well some of the jokes hit too really hard with um with the sister as well but I gotta say Red Guardian didn't he didn't do it for me like for me I I probably would have cut his scenes down a little bit. I I get his importance to the relationship of the kids, the overall relationship of the whole family, but he never did much for me. I think the most I liked was actually, like, his opening sequence. Um, He's obviously playing a different kind of character, I guess, at that point. Um, And I never really bought in that he actually did love his kids that much. So I had a hard time, but maybe he grew to love them even more during that time, which is still pretty ass backwards of of him. But I guess he's never their father in the first place. But yeah, for me, him and the mom didn't work that well for me. I guess I would... I just just wanted less of them and more of Natasha and Elena. So not like they were bad. I just wanted more on the other two. Because I felt like there's a lot more meat in the bones for those two to really shine. Mm -hmm. I guess Scarlett Johansson, as great as she is in this film, and I love her, I I wanted more. Like, I wanted a Mm -hmm. lot more of her, especially because this could be the last time we see her in the MCU. Um, and so I guess for me, I'm kind of looking at some of these other side characters as like, they're taking some of the shine from her or just some of the script time. But um, overall, like it was okay. He was he wasn't horrible. He never, he, there's been far worse characters in the MCU that I, I would like be removed, but I uh, don't, no, he was okay. The costume worked for me too. But like I mentioned earlier too, like his fight scene with Taskmaster wasn't necessarily the greatest for me. Um, so yeah, I think I feel the way I feel about him is kind of like how you were feeling going into the film, Carlos. But obviously, he worked way more for you, which is a cool thing. So,
2: yeah, and maybe yeah. I'm just like I'm so far gone into that dad life that like <laughs> the, the the dad jokey kind of guy was just like, ah, yeah, of course, that's my dude, the Red Guardian. Well, you know uh, what?
1: The, the scene that he did have when he was <laughs> when he went to go talk to Elena and. <laughs> His his little speech was like horrible and she was like she wants to leave and he's talking about like whatever went in his hands. That had me and that's probably the funniest thing in the movie. Like I was dying because she was like, Where are you going with this? Can I leave? That whole thing for me had me on my knees. So that was a win. That was that was great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah like I he had his little moments, right? Cause like I really liked the scene when they land and they're doing the handoff with Dracoff and mm-hmm. the rest of the uh russian spies type of thing and yeah. you can see he's kind of torn but he's very much committed to the Soviet Union type of mm. thing and he lets the girl's go so i thought they were doing some interesting things there yeah but then it's like just this hard 180 and i kind of like the dad jokey red guardian too but i yeah. totally see where you're coming from <laughs> with uh just that needing a bit more of a bridge in that with uh mm. With him and... Yeah, and even with what you're saying about Natasha, she did kind of seem like we finally get this Black Widow movie, but she's almost like a secondary character in her own movie. Mm. Like, she doesn't really get any agency until she has her confrontation with Dreykov at the end yeah. of the movie. It,
0: but, yeah. like, the thing is, it's called Black Widow, too, right? Which, it's not lost on me that it, it's, it's not called Natasha Romanoff, right? It is, yeah, it's implied that it's about her, but I think it's about... The Black Widow, right? Yelena, Rachel Vice's character, Natasha, all the other Black Widows. Like uh, to, to me, it's it it's of two minds in that aspect. The title, yeah. to me, it was it is a more of a bridge. Yes, it is her ultimate solo outing, but you, you do get the shining of some of these characters in Yelena, of course. And I, I'm with you too on on Red Guardian, Carlos. I I loved this. I love David Harbor. Period. Full stop. Mm-hmm. But the his ability to engage you in so many different ways like at times you're you really care about him and other times you're like yeah this guy's a goofball and he's put on the suit man that that had me and his the thing too that i liked about him and yelena in particular is the best part of their life was that four years in ohio and so mm-hmm. you know he's sitting there in this jail Talking about the past. Oh, I fought Captain America. And they're like, well, he was still frozen. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Which was great. And But he has, the best part of all their lives was that four years. And it's like they're trying to relive that and go back to that. It was such a brief moment in time in retrospect of their whole lives. But that is the time that they felt normal. And I like that he goes back to that. It's like he's like the, the the football guy that was huge in high school. And he goes back to those moments as being like those foundational moments, the best moments in his life. The guy is in, you know, his late 40s or whatever in the film, but it's those four years he goes back to because he never got to be Red Guardian again. And mm-hmm. and so there's there's so much there. And that's where the bridge in my mind between the character we see at the start. And this guy that we see that is basically a shell of what he was before. And and obviously living with regret, letting the two girls go, making some assumptions. And this is family. Like they go back to that and they literally sit in the same seats as they were Mm -hmm. at the start of the movie. And he just slides right back into dad life.
1: Like it's like 20
0: some odd years later. But so
1: so I don't know if I was missing that, like, because I never saw him. The dad life that he was portraying at that point, I never saw him do that at the beginning. So I don't know if that's just because we're coming at a hard time and he was like that before, but we just didn't get to see it. Yeah, I guess it's a leap that I I made in my head
0: that they lived like the atypical American life. You know, they they show the football stadium and they have all the stuff. And so in my mind, that's what, yeah, it is a leap I guess I made.
2: But you kind of get it inferred by Yelena, right? Because Mm, she has this relationship with, with him as her dad and, and they do a bit of stuff with the pictures and stuff, but right. I I think, or even like when they're at the table in Russia and like, he's talking about getting it on with Melina and all the good times. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Randy for each other. And you could see how it's like making the, the two girls uncomfortable <laughs> type of thing. So I think it's like those things that informs the family mm. relationship without actually well, you seeing buy, it. Maybe, you but, buy into it yeah.
1: right away. Yeah. yeah. It's funny though for me I what I actually really liked and it's um I don't know if this is the writing or if they actually went for this, but I actually kinda like the fact that um Yelena like obviously she really liked her times those for those first three years, four years. She loved those times, but I really like that uh Scarlet actually found a family with the Avengers mm-hmm. and like that mm-hmm. is her core, especially when you go into like uh endgame right? You, you see her when she's, I think when after she's talking to Hawkeye, but when Cap comes in, like, you see her, like, chemistry with Captain America, and how she's just so involved, and she loves her place with the Avengers. It's really a cool dynamic just to see how, I don't know if it makes her almost, like, dislike her life that much more. Well, I guess it wouldn't now, because we've seen this movie. This movie comes before her events in Endgame, but clearly in Endgame, she's loves where she is with Avengers. This is kind of a neat dynamic to see like where everybody is and where their high times and low times were at some point. Well, she's
0: had that closure now before we get to endgame,
1: right? Where exactly that part
0: of her life is now resolved. And when she moves on into your infinity war and endgame, I think she's moved beyond that. She has made peace with that part of her life. Her sister's fine. She's moved on and, and all that, and she's able to now fully embrace the Avengers as being her her true family,
1: right,
2: right, yeah. Well, and kind of what you're saying, if you peel another layer of the onion, like it kind of speaks to like looking at it uh, in retrospect. Natasha is never alone; like she's never the mm-hmm. lone wolf. She's always got somebody that she's glommed onto. Like they imply that her, and or well, tell you that her and Clint were attached at the hip forever. You meet her and she's part of Iron Man's world. Right. She's with Fury. You see her again and she's tied to Captain America. Um, and she's always kind of with someone. And when you see this movie, you're like, well, yeah, she's always been trying to replace that family that she had for a brief moment in time, mm. but then lost type of thing. So yeah, it's neat to always go back and, Look at the MC movies that preceded the newest one, type of thing, mm-hmm. and see how it informs what came before it. So, yeah, that's
1: cool. Yeah,
2: while we're on the family, what did you guys think of Melina? She's I'm sensing that she's maybe the weak link in all of this. Um, uh, it's Rachel Weiss. She looks great as a black widow. I like that eye makeup thing she had going on, yeah. like uh, Smokey MILF going on, but uh, <laughs> uh aside from that. I I uh yeah she she kind of had the least amount to to play with. She was that plot device exactly. to get them from the ground into the red room in the sky.
0: She was the 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 techie bridge of the plot <laughs> that they had to yeah. to move uh, things beyond. You know, uh, to me she she is the weak link and Rachel Weiss, she's she's a great actress and all that. Didn't have a whole bunch to do in this the the, the swappy thing I figured she was going to help them, but not in that way. Maybe I should have seen it mm-hmm. coming because we've seen her use the face swap thing before. I thought that she was basically had knocked them all out and was going to drive them up there and then turn. This is the way they were going to get up there. But that that whole sequence was one of the more predictable ends of the of the film. And the way it was executed is fine. It's good. It doesn't take you out of the film at all. But yeah, her character is somewhat forgettable, has a few good moments as the mom in the family dynamic scene in Russia where they're eating. But ultimately, I think a needed character, but not someone that that really shakes the foundation of the, the film in any sort of way and doesn't ultimately change things. Like I said, she's kind of a, a tech bridge to get you from A to B to get you to that final sequence.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How about you, Troy?
1: yeah yeah I'm, I'm the same way man going back to like what i was saying like this is someone that could have been cut down drastically mm-hmm. in the film um and she's she's such a talent i i think she was nominated for the favorite her and emma stone i think she was for uh supporting um mm-hmm. actress and she's great but it's weird like out of everyone's like russian accent hers was like the most like in and out it was really bizarre like i'm listening to it i'm like what like you can be better than that like come on now so that kind of took me out a little bit And um, I'm with Tim. I thought she would have been like the better, cool, like switcheroo for like a Taskmaster. Mm -hmm. I thought for sure. I'm like, this is going to go this route, you know, or at least they're going to try and make you believe that's who Taskmaster is. Well, that's what they maybe
0: should have done. Yeah. This is who, like, that's how you play into it, who it is.
1: Especially when she's gone for that minute, right? When you think she's dead in the beginning.
0: And you never, and you maybe you never see her and Taskmaster in the room together. I don't know. Yeah. That could have been a character. That could have, yeah, easily been your decoy character. Especially when they attack
2: the house,
1: right? Yeah. Like, where's your mom? Where's your mom and Taskmaster is running around? and Yeah. Yeah. And and, then the switcheroo, like the mask, like we've seen the, I guess it's it's not the fault of this film because technically we were seeing this film before Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but the whole face switcheroo, I mean, I know we saw it in Winter Soldier, Soldier, but then we were meant to see it next. And then we were meant to see it in Falcon and Winter Soldier. She's done another time, hasn't she? I remember in Winter Soldier, and then I remember, yeah, the Falcon the Winter Soldier, Emily. Oh, Emily, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, okay, that's what I'm What's your face? Yeah, um, Emily Van Camp.
1: Yeah, Van Camp. Yeah, uses it, right? So, um, yeah. And then they kind of do the whole, like, well, you didn't see us do this, but we're going to go back and tell you mm-hmm. what we did. And I was like, uh, okay. So, yeah, she's a little weaker for me. Mm-hmm. Didn't really do much for me in this film. Definitely could have done without her.
2: Yeah, it, it, was, it was a bit of a different... Uh, Different use than I was expecting for an actor of her actress of her caliber. Yeah. But uh, yeah. While we're at the ending, what did you guys think of this ending with the the big floating shield helicarrier, Red Room in the sky, and oh,
1: Cloud that's City. why they, <laughs> that's that's why they couldn't which, find. Which, which it lines up. It lines up with Cloud City. Literally, because we Cloud get the City. whole like 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 Vader does the whole betrayal thing, yeah. like Lando does the betrayal, and then uh, Vice does the whole betrayal, and then they end up in Cloud City. It's like You know, it's kind of copied each other there, right? But, uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: I didn't pick up on that. I I didn't (laughs) think it was, I don't know. So, like, the ending for me, um, this was one of those things where this movie, like, where it really could have shone was if it was smaller, right? Like, you do an infiltration kind of thing, and then you don't have to worry about the human Natasha falling from (laughs) the stratosphere to the ground and how she's going to get there kind of thing. And um, yeah, the, like the ending, I really, really loved parts of it. Like I loved Natasha and Dracoff and this battle of wills that they were having and how she eventually defeats him and even, even just the little pieces to build onto how terrible of a person he is and why she's so committed to doing away with him. Like I really loved that. I thought that was some of um, Scarlett Johansson's best acting in the role. But then there's like other parts where it's just like over the top and too much, and it really felt like a video game, where it's like, oh, you've you've triggered X, so now you got to fight through the the wave of enemies, and so she's fighting all the Black Widows, and you're trying not to lose all your health, and then you got to grab the thing and jump out the window, and then you're falling, and you're trying not to lose too much health as you get to your final battle with the Taskmaster, yeah. and oh, you found a health pack, and then like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I, I really hated the ending of the movie, but just because it could have been great if they just did less. Yeah. Like, I'm not asking them to do anything different, mm. but you just take what you're doing and just do less. And you lean into the Dracoff stuff. You probably lean into the family coming together and really build your Elena, Alexi, and Melina relationship that will give you something strong to build off of in the future. Mm. And you probably do something better with the breaking of the widows out of the control of Drakoff, so that what they do with this character that did or did not have to be the taskmaster then becomes something special to work with in the future. Mm. But uh, yeah, Timbo, what were your thoughts on the this kind of ending sequence from the time they get up there to the time they get down with the quick time <laughs> sequence? Yeah.
0: I, I'm i kind of there with you guys on this one. In the moment when I'm watching it, I'm really enjoying it. I'm loving the, the action sequence. It's something a bit more unique that we haven't seen in this capacity. But I do agree with the scale of it and does it match the scale of this film? The scope of this film was quite personal through most of it. And the end here is your more typical Marvel bombastic... Ending for a bigger film. And so it felt a bit dislocated from the story that we have just been gushing about and the personal emotional connections that you get to this. You kind of lose a lot of that when you have a lot of the faceless army and the flying through this. And yeah, it looks cool and it hits as an action sequence. But going to what you were saying, Carlos, about that more of the intimate battle of wills between her and Dracoff that's where your payoff is in all of this. And that's Mm -hmm. where her freedom and that's where her story and her ability to jump into the next stage of her life. That's where all of this happens. And I think in retrospect, I would have liked it smaller that you didn't need this huge ending, this fiery mess, because then you do leave yourself wondering again, is she a super soldier? (laughs) Because (laughs) this is, this is stuff that cap does right. Jumps out of planes and all of this, but I do suspend my belief first watching, second watching. I enjoy it both times. But like I said, the scope of it and the scale of it was probably too big for the film. It, it doesn't dissolve any sort of enjoyment I have, but it does make me think about what would a more personalized ending been like.
2: Yeah. No, it's not a deal breaker by any stretch, but... It's, it was right there, but you had to, you had to go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you could have just stayed where you were, but you had to go there. Troy, what did you think of <laughs> yeah. the ending, man? What did, cloud city, cloud, cloud city, city you know, cloud,
1: cloud city. Um, You know, it's weird, man. I don't, how, how does this cloud city even exist in the world of <laughs> Avengers and shield <laughs> spinning
0: on a blade
1: sword? <laughs> yeah. Like that, that, that's bizarre, but leaving that out, you know, I really, really hated the villain, uh, Like I I, despise this guy. And I wish we got something a little bit more... I wish he had more substance, kind of like a Robert Redford, a mm-hmm. little bit more so. Um, but I love Natasha's performance oh, at the end, so how she's, you know, and how she breaks her nose and that was like her, her plan. But I love the callback to how she was interrogating him and she was playing him like she did with Loki yeah. in Avengers 1. Like it was all a game to her. She knew what she was doing. I love that. And Scarlet Joe just performs that perfectly and calls him out for his weak punches and just, you know, just mind, you know, bothering this guy. So that was great for me. Again, the Taskmaster reveal at that point, I was like, ah, like I could have done without. Didn't really dig that one. Um... But for me, the video game moment, I'm there, man. Like the time sequence, like I'm totally there, like <laughs> pressing X but pressing A and then redoing that battle all over again. Like visually, I I, I loved it because, like I said, I love the whole like notion of her like skydiving down, saving her sister, letting her go up with the their parachute, and like when she does like that kind of like that Sam Raimi like lands on that platform and her and Taskmaster square off.
0: Mm-hmm. I was like,
1: wow, that looks cool. Because at this point, I've already been like, whatever, like. Yeah, she's not Steve Rogers, but I'm in it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, we've seen Ethan Hawke. We've seen Legolas do this stuff in the <laughs> Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. So I was there for it. Um, the second time, it really worked for me. The first time, I was hating on the scene a lot more. But it was the second time actually watching it. But you know what? The Black Widows. So when they set ScarJo to be kind of handled by the rest of the Black Widows, that was the worst scene for me, where like, he's literally like, mm-hmm. you got to kill her. And they just come in there, and they're just... They're doing that, that not Suicide Squad, they're doing that Harley Quinn nonsense that I don't like in that movie where people wait to be attacked Mm -hmm. instead of just like, that's not how you fight. And so what I'm just seeing, like, Scarlet just sitting there and they're all taking their turns, kicking her in her circle, like, "This this is bogus. And then eventually the sister throws in the, you know, the red magic potion and they're all like, yeah, sorry, sister, like, we're all on your page now. Like, again, but that comes to fault to, like, the whole idea of this, like Canon Father being under this brainwash, so I guess that's it's kind of already there. It's too late at this point in the movie to kind of go over, but um that for me was the worst part of the scene because I just I can't stand when it's like you have your chance to kill your villain or your your hero, but you're all just there like stalling time. Like it's it's yeah, I'm gonna, as kick, old I'm as gonna ever, kick you in the right? arm
0: and then I'm gonna kick you in the <laughs> shin.
1: <laughs> yeah, hit her in the head. But you know what's funny? What I what I really liked is when it's all said and done, they all landed. I loved when um I think it's Scarlet was like. Are you okay? Are you hurt to Milena? And she's like, obviously I'm hurt. Obviously I'm injured. I thought that's a really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> funny thing because we see this over and over again. And it's like, I just thought that's a great kind of little comedic relief. Like that stuff from Marvel, like that humor for me works and goes a long way.
0: Well, it, it's, oh,
1: the ibuprofen line that
2: Yelena drops on. Yeah uh natasha that's probably one of the best jokes in the mcu <laughs> yeah. i love that one yeah i don't think the god from magic's garden needs ibuprofen no and it's
0: it's that's <laughs> the best i've seen this time and time again when we when we do film reviews it's she is at times the audience perspective right she's asking those mm-hmm. questions and making fun of it like the whole posing thing like you said troy the ibuprofen <laughs> of course i'm hurt like And then saying this is a shit plan because it all worked out, but you didn't think about any of this. Like your plan was to let me bleed to death. Like I (laughs) love those. Those are the, and I think that's why the comedy works with her, especially is Mm -hmm. like, and I'm not my awareness of Florence Pugh isn't huge. And so I don't know if she has, or has displayed those comedic chops, but it works in, in spades in this, but because it's, it's, it's making fun of stuff that the audience is thinking about. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, her natasha taking these bumps is fully acknowledged by yelena saying that at the end of this film right mm-hmm. and and those those are the moments that the comedy works is when you're acknowledging things that are a bit fantastical inside of a comic book movie and her delivery of all that it it yeah. works throughout this whole film
2: yeah no she's great so the end of the movie, that post-credit scene, they basically set her up mm-hmm. to be our new Black Widow. So, how are you guys feeling about Yelena being our new Black Widow and that post-credit scene set up with Madame Viper?
0: Question mark. I, I want to hear Troy's reaction to this one first because <laughs> I know I think I can't remember when we were talking Falcon Winter Soldier. You weren't thrilled with her initial, no, which would have been her second appearance if things had to come yes. out right. But to That's me, right. Th- this way works better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Same. The, but yeah. Definitely. but I got to hear your thoughts on this one. <laughs> this, this, the, the Kleenex. <laughs> well, <you> know, <laughs> the
1: the post credit was, was great. The post credit was great when she goes over, visits the tombstone. You can tell she's been there plenty of times, and you could really feel it. Like, I felt like this movie did clearly such a good job of the chemistry and the bond between these two that when we got to this moment, I was really like, oh, man. To the point almost where I really actually, you know, with this film, I kind of wish they they hit it a little harder when Yelena would make jokes about like, this would be a cool way to die. Like that's her thing, mm-hmm. right? She kind of make, I think she did like mm-hmm. two times or three times. And I wish those jokes kind of landed a little differently, kind of like foreshadowing to black widow's death. Like if you felt that, cause when she's making those jokes, I never felt any connection. I guess I wasn't meant to, but I kinda wish they did kind of tie those into like, oh like man, like your sister's gonna die in like a couple of years, you know. So Or if she made those jokes with Natasha, right? And
2: Natasha if you had Natasha react to them. Yes. And then you could kinda reverse
1: engineer it so that when she's on Vormir, like a self-sacrifice would be a cool way to die. That would have been great. That would have been great. So like those key little details would have really gone a long way. But, yeah, so when she gets here, I was like, all right, cool. Like, we're we're clearly going somewhere. It's not just going to be her saying her farewells. And then somebody sneezes, and it's not somebody in the audience. No, it's, it's, (laughs) it's, it's, oh, man. Probably one of the worst characters ever introduced in the MCU in quite some time. Like, (laughs) I was so, like, no, no, you didn't. Like, you were hitting it pretty well with the humor in this film. Like, allergic to the Midwest, like, no, you're not. Like, that was a fake sneeze. It just... uh, I don't like this character at all. Um, I like where they're going, though. I do like that she's probably going to pop up in the Hawkeye show, I would imagine. Right? So I I love what they're saying up there. It'll be really cool to hear their takes because Hawkeye's been basically a brother to Natasha and she's been the sister to Natasha, but these two have never met, you know? Mm -hmm. So they clearly have a, a big connection in between the two of them. So I cannot wait for what they set up. I think it's a really good setup, and I think it you know, potentially could have been one of the most... Not important, but one of the best or better post credit scenes, if you removed uh Madame Viper out of there. I just she just doesn't jive for me and I feel like we're gonna get a lot out of her. Like I feel like we're not gonna get like minimal. She's gonna be probably equivalent of like the bad kind of like Nick Fury, but more as a political government figure as opposed to a spy. Mm-hmm. So I gotta buckle up for that one and you know, pour my tears in another bottle. But uh <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Yeah, I, I, think, you guys I think? think
0: they're going to pivot that character a bit because I think the general reaction to both of her appearance has been mm. a little bit more on the negative side. Her her appearance at the back end with John Walker was a little better as opposed mm. to her first, you know, these boots were made for walking appearance. Oh, uh, yeah. This one here, I agree with you. It takes you out of that scene, the sneezing. It didn't even need to be that, right? She could have just no. hand her the iPad and just yeah. said like... But the, the question I have with it, like, it, it works for me is what is she building like cuz it it you get this i this idea thought that she's going to be taking the baton from black widow and being more on the avenger side but there seems to be a flip here that she has been working for Madame viper and that this mm-hmm. organization isn't all above board maybe it's your thunderbolts maybe it's a dark avenger I don't know but it seems like she could at at a point inside of the hawkeye series be an antagonist to both Clint Barton and Kate Bishop, yeah. so I don't, I don't really know where they're going with her. It, it, it seemed more of an adversarial setup to me, and at which I, which I'm, I'm digging, I'm liking, I'm, I'm happy that we're going to see her potentially by the end of this year if that Hawkeye series comes out. Well, yeah, they said uh, Miss Marvel
2: and Hawkeye within 2021. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm kind of with troy like i i really like julia louis dreyfus but oh yeah man th- like this is kind of two times where she shows up and it's just like oh you're like <laughs> kind of annoying yeah but i was pretty excited for the setup mm-hmm. for her to be the antagonist in hawkeye and like hawkeye is probably one of the most anticipated comic book properties in our household like my youngest is like white hot anticipating this show like read those kate bishop books a couple times over and like just ready for it so um uh, and i really like yelena so i'm more excited than ever kind of thing so i was all in for the hawkeye series but i i think it's going to take it to another level and i think it also told me that clint is either going to have a way bigger role than i expected or she's going to kill clint and then that'll be the red and her ledger coming forward. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see what happens with that one. But, uh, fellas, we've made it through the whole movie. I got five minutes to hit our magic number. But You uh, forgot about
0: the vest. The vest. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Infinity no, War vest. We
2: don't talk about the vest because my wife was making fun of me. She was in tears laughing. Because Yelena was so excited about all the pockets on her vest. And she's like, this is just like you when you're buying a new pair of like cargo shorts or so something like that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, or a jacket. She's like, you're always obsessed with how many pockets are on this thing. But like she's sitting on the couch in tears because of that. So yeah, the, the vest, that was that was kind of offensive, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I uh, I thought that that was a cool little tie.
0: It was between... It was a great tie. I think I picked up on it right when they first started talking about it. And I was like, is that the vest? Mm -hmm. Because it's funny because the very little customizing I've done on action figures, I cut that vest off Why a second Black Widow figure because the underneath actually looks quite a lot like the original Black Widow costume from Avengers. But I I thought that was kind of a a nice, cool connection to Infinity, like a very Marvel-esque connection.
1: With the blonde hair too at the end. I thought it was great. I love that.
0: One thing missing was the cap appearance that I had been saying was going to happen for like three years. I really thought you were going to see Steve Rogers in that scene.
2: Yeah. It it worked out okay. And I kind of liked her little dealer guy or whatever. Yeah. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing him again in the MCU like I thought he was Taskmaster for a while guys. Too. Yeah, that would have been all right yeah, too. Yeah. 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 Anything really would have been better <laughs> than uh, than the Cassandra Kane, but uh, alas. Alas so yeah closing thoughts Jensen and letter grade uh you know what i'll go first on the whole this movie landed a little bit closer to how i like the mcu movies those smaller more personal more intimate type tales uh when it really fell apart for me was when they got big and bombastic and i those were the times that i really started uh disconnecting from the movie like be it the fight between the sisters in the room that leads to the chase through uh, Budapest. And then like that car chase was kind of ridiculous. And then uh, that climax with cloud city and the fall and all that kind of stuff. But those things aside, like what I liked, I adored, like I adored that opening. I really liked um, that they played with some darker subject matter and had some more mature themes with the human trafficking elements and that they really gave you a sense that the ladies that uh, fell prey to Dracoff were victims and that they were real people as opposed to just a plot device. So I love that stuff. I loved... Um, what Scarlett Johansson brought for her quote unquote final performance as a character. Uh, like I said, her confrontation with Dracoff is probably the best, and I'm excited for where things go. Like, I was excited for the prospect of Florence Pugh being our new Black Widow, but now we have David Harbour's Red Guardian, who people are behind and that we could see some more of. So that was exciting, too. So, all in all, like, this movie is a huge success, and you know what? It's gonna be a solid beat. It's all B B plus. Like to be honest, like if they had just pulled back a little bit on this action stuff, uh, it would have been in that A territory. But um, yeah. You know what, I'll give it a B plus because I, I really liked what they did with uh that opening credit sequence and you know, Shades of the Incredible Hulk, one of mm. the top five Marvel movies that uh, they've put to the screen. But uh, that's a different review discussion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Troy the boy. Yeah. How about you, man? Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts, man. You know, for me, all great, great films when it comes to the superhero genre has to have a strong villain. And this movie movie lacks it because, man, if this movie had that stronger villain, it would have gone so much higher for me because it goes a long way. So with that out and um the whole brainwash potion, those two things really bothered me throughout the film. The action I could deal with, and when I say bad villains too, I I include uh Taskmaster and Drake off in there. I wrapped them both up together. Um so those two were big weaknesses. The the brainwashing and cannon fodder, that kind of took me out. But I think visually it looked really good. I really liked how this film looked. I loved the stakes. I loved Scarlett Johansson. I loved I loved all the actors really in it. I could have done without Red Guardian a little bit. I could have done it with um, uh, Milena. But I felt like the two sisters for me killed it. And I, it sucks because I want more. I want more from Scarlett, but we're not getting any more. So I don't know what to do. I got to get a hot toy of her or something. To <laughs> just keep it going. Yeah. Um, it was. It was. It's a really fun movie. It's crazy for me just how much better it got off of a second viewing. Mm-hmm. Like the second viewing really had me had that marinating factor where everything just kept sinking in. I'm like, yeah, I really like this. I really like this. The score even was fine. Um, yeah, man. You know, it's just it's. It, I I just I hate to say it. it. Just comes down to that villain. Like like Nico. Nico, get at me all you want from Let's Go, but you know, far from home. Homecoming. It's coming incredible villains incredible villains you know killmonger did this thing in black panther obviously thanos was great those were all to me some of the best mcu films we've had so for me it's lacking that in this so i'm gonna give it what carlos gave it initially i'm gonna give it a solid b because i had a lot of fun with this film and honestly i might even see it again in theaters next time if i see this film it's probably gonna be on the big screen like i really did enjoy this film so b b from your boy
0: All right. Well, I guess I'll I'll wrap us up on this one. And there's not much more to say, to be honest with you. You guys kind of covered the most of it there. And I I find myself agreeing and nodding my head as as you guys are going through most of it here. But I will say that I did have fun from beginning to end in this. I I love every MCU movie and this is is no different from that. But this does stand out to me as being one of the ones that that do sit up amongst the, the higher end films when it comes to the MCU. And a question that we had asked ourselves and it was asked online is, is it going to be difficult to connect to the character of Natasha knowing that we have seen the end of her arc in Endgame? And absolutely not. This, this, I was engaged from beginning to end with her character, with her supporting cast, and with her story. I never felt myself taken out of the film because it was set after Civil War. It wasn't in this sequential, chronological order that we're used to watching the MCU. And, and because I've seen her end... It didn't bother me at all. It's the same with Loki, right? They both had that same effect where we're growing and expanding these characters even though we know what the end is. That, to me, you know, shows in spades that this film is is a wild success for what it did for Natasha Romanoff, the swan song for that character, for Scarlett Your playing it. And what it does for the future is huge. Yelena, fan favorite immediately. It's hard to replace these characters, but we're seeing Marvel do this time and time again where... We now have Sam Wilson in the role of Captain America. We have Yelena in the role of Black Widow. We're going to have Kate Bishop in the role of Hawkeye. So we're seeing this large transition away from fan-favorite characters, fan-favorite actors, but we're asking for more. We're okay to put these legacy characters on the shelf for now until maybe we get to a Secret Wars. But we're okay for now to transition to something great, which tells me that they're doing the right thing with not only the character, the narrative, but also the casting. So that's huge for me is that we're excited for the next steps. This movie was able to not only give that character due to Natasha Romanoff, but also kick something off that's even bigger. Red Guardian, Yelena, Black Widows. There's so much more story to tell there, which is super exciting. So I'm going to do the, the Taskmaster mimicry here. I'm going to give it a B plus. So I'm going to line there with Carlos.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So there we go. And you know what? At the end of the day, Of the last four solo MCU movies we've had, this one's probably my favorite, and I got Spider-Man tattooed on my arm, so (laughs) that goes to say something. So there we go. There's our Black Widow uh, look back and our review, and hopefully you enjoyed a bit of a different flavor to these things, but uh, yeah, I kind of dig it. I think it leads for a bit more... Um, frank discussion and an open discussion mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of trotting through the structure of the film. But uh, yeah, give us your feedback. And I got to throw it back to my man, Tim, to take us home. I was hoping you do Cause, this.
0: Uh, I'm a bit itchy to, to do all this stuff. It,
2: yeah, it just, it's been too long. <laughs> it's been too long. So <laughs> yeah, take
0: us home, baby. All right, well, guys, if you would like to give us your insight and your opinions into Black Widow, you can always email us at nerdtime at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over at the Nerd Room net and guys the hunt is real and i just threw up a haul that i'm going to talk about next week on instagram holy grail haul i'm sitting right beside it it's actually up there right now so go check that out over on instagram at the and you can find everything that we're talking about debating whether it's black widow loki or maybe even spider-man stuff with the boys over at vigilante 1939 you're going to see something from that coming not to distant future but our head twitter handles are at the end of the episode you can find all of that and more as always inside of the nerd room every single thursday stars marvel dc and beyond guys are gonna be coming back at you with something maybe a far for or not far from home no way home trailer maybe some more divergence topics we've been having a lot of fun with that lately so there's always going to be something in the feed each and every thursday and if you're listening to this and didn't tune into the loki live stream that is happening yesterday in podcast time go over to the let's go youtube page and check out our discussion our wrap-up discussion hosted by the boys over at vigilante 939 where we're going to talk about that final banger of an episode in loki and what that does for the future of the mcu so guys with all of that being said until next week for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy and i'm batman and thank you guys so much for entering the nerd room this has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, Troy the boy 87, Sunjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag #wethenerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.